Good morning. I am so glad that you are at Central Church today. It's great to have you here. Right now, we're in a series called Reimagine. We're reimagining what God might do. We're rethinking how God might work. We're reviewing what we do and how we do it. We're recasting our vision, really, that we are connecting people to Jesus. We're repraying our prayer that God's kingdom might come and his will might be done right here in Flint as it is in heaven. Restating our modus operandi, why we do the things we do. Well, we do things because we believe that Jesus changes everything, think that we grow best when we grow together and we want to be the very best neighbors we can possibly be. And we're using right now the book of Jonah to help us with all of that. Turn to Jonah chapter 3. If you have your Bible app or Bible, I'm going to read it. Someone came up to me in the first service. What version are you reading? It's the New International Version. Here you go. Then the the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. And Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw that they, what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. All right, may God bless the reading of his word. All right, circle back around. Key words for our spiritual renewal. Key words that we need to let ring through our ears. In verse one, the key word I would say is the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Aren't you glad that God is a God of second chances? Oh, all of us needed a second chance at one point or another, right? Could you imagine if God, if God comes to Noah, or Noah, God comes to Noah too. God comes to Jonah, go to Nineveh, he says no, and God says, all right, fine, I'm going to find somebody else. I'm sure there were other faithful people in Israel that he could have called. I'm sure he could have asked them, but he didn't. He waited, he waited, he waited. He let J- Jonah go through some, some turmoil in the belly of that great fish, but he waited for Jonah to come to his senses. Ah, is God calling you to do something? I don't know what it might be. Is God calling you? The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Is the word of the Lord coming to you? Let's read on. In verse 2, the second, ah, maybe this is just me. The key word in that second verse is go to that great city of Nineveh. I believe, see, this is just me. This is Rob Prince. I believe God called me to the great city of Flint. I believe that our city is great. Uh, I don't, I, I'm not from Flint. I didn't, I didn't, I'm not a northern Viking. I'm not a north, uh, let me think. 
a Central Indian. I'm not a Northwestern Wildcat, sorry. I'm not a Southwestern Colt or whatever they were. I'm not Carmen or Beecher or Bendel or Kersley or my son was a Kersley Hornet for a while. I'm not any of those. I'm a Garden City West Tire. West is best, east is least. But still God called us here. I remember we, we came here, it's almost been nine years. We came here in the fall of 2013 before the water crisis, the spring of 2014. But even still in 2013, I, when I would tell people I'm leaving uh, Lenexa, leaving Olathe, Kansas, where we lived, and coming to Flint, people all said, Flint, why are you going to Flint? You're going to Flint? And you've, you've had that response to you, no doubt, especially since the water crisis. But can I tell you, God loves Flint. God loves Genesee County. Doesn't matter where you live. Maybe you live in, in Davison or Grand Blank or Burton or Flushing or Swartz Creek or Clio or Lapeer or Fenton or I don't know where. We all do better when Flint is doing better. We all do better. Our entire county does better. And when God works and God works, God, God doesn't... God's not through with the city of Flint. Are you kidding me? Last Sunday, right after church, I zipped out of here and Gary Cousins was waiting with the car running so I could get out and get quick because I needed to get to Joy Tabernacle because we were receiving an award from the Urban Renaissance Center. Um, The mayor was there and they had a, a local artist, a sculptor that was there that had all of these sculptures that he made of animals. And they gave us a, a, an award for being their, their Church of the Year, which was a wonderful thing. It was very kind and very nice. And last year, last November, we received the key to the city uh, by the mayor of Flint. We're very nice, wonderful, wonderful. Now, that's not why we do the things we do around here. We do the things we do. Why? Because we want to connect people to Jesus. Why? Because we believe that Jesus changes everything and that we, we grow better together and that we want to be the best neighbors and that's who we are. That's what we need to be. We want to see people coming to Jesus. That's why we do the things we do. Why? Because God loves this great city of Flint. All right, verse three. Big word. The big word that comes out in verse three, Jonah obeyed. Ha, finally, Jonah Jonah obeyed. I don't have any fancy illustration here. There's no uh, uh, tearjerker story. There's no any of that. Are you obeying God? Do you know what God wants you to do? And are you doing it? Do you know what God doesn't want you to do? But are you doing it anyway? Are you obeying God? Oh, I know, Pastor, what's going to come. Now is the time you're going to talk about these little cards that are in the pew. Not yet. Hold on to them. Are you being the person that God is calling you to be? Finally, Jonah obeyed. Verse 4, now Nineveh was a large city. It took three days for him to go through it. Jonah began by going to the day's journey, proclaiming 40 more days, boom, chicka, boom, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Sometimes, again, maybe this is just me, the preacher in me. Sometimes it's hard for preachers to preach a message. That couldn't have been an easy message to preach. This is the enemy, right? The sworn enemy of Israel, the Ninevites. 40 more days, you're going to be toast. You know, it's turn, you're going to burn, shake, you're going to bake. Comply, or you're going to fry. You'll be like a Pop-Tart and get toasted. You'll be like a marshmallow and get roasted. You'll be like a chicken leg and get roasted. I don't know, stupid. Don't laugh at any of those. Those are stupid. He's preaching a sermon that was hard. 
Sometimes, sometimes we preachers have to just speak the truth, right? And the truth of the matter is, you know, I'm not a fire and brimstone sort of guy. Well, the truth of the matter is, all of us will give an account. That's that silly joke earlier. All of us one day will give an account to a holy God how we lived our life, how we spent our life, what we valued, what we prioritized, where we, where we spent our, our time, where we spent our money, where we spent our energies, where, where we gave ourselves to, who we were a slave to, who we were not. All of us one day will give an account of our day. I'm not coming to you and saying you got 40 days. But maybe you only have 40 days. Maybe you only have one. Maybe you got 40 years. I don't know. I know this. All of us, one day, will stand before a holy God. All right, we got to read on. The Ninevites believed God. Don't you think that verse should have said, the Ninevites believed Jonah? Right? Who's the one doing the preaching? Jonah. Why didn't it say, the Ninevites heard Jonah and believed what Jonah was saying? That's what you would expect. But it doesn't say that the Ninevites believed God. Now, I need to be careful here um, because so often this can be misconstrued. So often it has been misused. So often it has been uh, manipulated. But I believe as pastor, as preacher, I need to, what, spend time in God's word, spend time with God, spend time in prayer so that I can stand before you Sunday after Sunday and say, thus saith the Lord. It's not Rob Prince doing the talking. It's thus saith the Lord. And you, as the listener, need to discern. All right, is what he's saying biblical? Is it encouraging? Is it good? Is it right? Is it faithful? And if all those are yes, then okay, thus saith the Lord. Even if that makes us squirm a little bit. Even if that makes us question a little bit. Question what we're doing and how we're doing things. That's what... That's all about. Well, the people heard from God. They believed in God. And the next thing that, that, that jumps out at you, a fast was proclaimed from all of them, from the greatest to the least. They put on sackcloth. It's indicating a change, a repentance. We've got to do things differently than the way we've done things. I need to make a real change in my life. If you walk, can you imagine walking through Nineveh and seeing all those people wearing sackcloth and ashes? You'd say, whoa, something's going on here. What has happened? When you really discover Jesus, when you get a, and Jesus gets a hold of you, and you have made a change, a change of scope, a change of life, a change of priorities, a change of direction, people will notice. One of my friends uh, became a Christian in, uh, in Iran where it's illegal, he was Muslim, he became a Christian, it's illegal to change. And his mom, the, the, the law was, if you spotted someone who had become a Christian, you turn them in. Well, his mom noticed the countenance on his face, noticed his, just the way he approached life, noticed that things were different in his life. And, he, and she said to him, I think I know what's happened to you. Don't tell me. She knew she would be obligated to turn in her own son. But she never did turn him in. A neighbor turned him in for a gallon of milk. Why? Because they knew. They knew something had changed in Charles' life. When Jesus gets a hold of you and you change direction, people, people, people will notice. And so these folks, they're, 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 they're expressing their regret and their, and their change of life. Verse 
verse uh, uh, 6, so did the king. The king in verse 6, he's, he's noticing what's going on. He takes off his throne. He takes off his royal robes. He covers himself in sackcloth. It doesn't say this word, but the word that comes to mind through the king doing this is what? Humility. He is humbling. Even the king, he gets off his royal throne. You know, the Bible over and over tells us to be humble. Our men and women are studying the book of James this fall. And James chapter 4 verse 10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Jesus in, in chapter 14 of Luke says, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Humility before the Lord. Sometimes I think people think, Oh man, God should be so proud of me. Look what I've done. Look what I did here. Look how much money I put in there. Humble yourselves before the Lord. That's what the king did. In verse 7, the key word in verse 7, I believe, is right at the end. Let everyone call urgently on God. (sighs) Do we call urgently on God in the things that are going on in your life? You cry out to God. Urgent is, is something we expect in our society. We like fast food. We like instant messaging. We like, uh, if we have medical care, we go to the urgent care. We want urgent. We want fast. We want news. Are we that same way with the things of God? Urgently, urgently, urgently. John Wesley used to say, I'm calling on the hounds of heaven, thinking of a fox hunt, right? When they would release the hounds. He said, that's what I want. God, I want you to be like a hound on a fox. I want you to go after them. I want you to go, 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 God, go. Urgent, urgent, urgent. (sighs) Maybe to the things going on in school or the things going on in your life or your kid's life or your grandkid's life, we need to urgently call on God. That's what the king is calling on the people. And then look at this. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Give up. What Joel was talking about. Surrender. Now for them it was their evil ways. It was was violence. Have you surrendered to God? Oh, I get it. Now you're going to talk about the card. Not yet. Hold on. Have you surrendered have you surrendered your, your time? Have you surrendered those things that are keeping you from becoming fully who God wants you to be. In the first service, I made a big mistake. I told a story about Jim Bond, said he was dead. He's alive. So, uh, Jim Bond was the general superintendent of the Church of the Nazarene. If you don't know your Nazarene stuff, general superintendent is the, is the big honchos, and there's six of them, and Jim Bond was one of them. I said he was dead, but he's alive. And when he was... He was uh, Young, when he was in high school, this is before, uh, like all the media is today. This was years and years ago. When he was in high school, he was maybe the greatest basketball player in the country. He would have been considered a five-star athlete today. Now today we might say, okay, well then, young man, use your basketball talents, get a platform, you know, get enough Instagram followers, get enough Twitter followers, and then, you know, proclaim Jesus. This was before all of that. And so he just felt like God was calling him to preach. And so that meant no basketball. He was the greatest basketball player in the country, and he felt like God was calling him to preach. And so... He was, he was determined he was going to go to what's now Point Loma Nazarene University, Point Loma grad. And instead, he, Point Loma grad, there we go. Instead, then it was Pasadena College. And so he was going to go there. 
the Texas Longhorn basketball coach put out an APB, he lived in Texas, put out an APB to all the Texas troopers that they saw his car, the coach knew when he was leaving, knew what kind of car he drove, said when he's, if you see him on the road, you pull him over and the, the coach was waiting by with the, with the radio or whatever it was, you make him call in me. Sure enough, he's on his way to Pasadena College. He got pulled over by a Texas trooper. He, the trooper came up to the windows, officer, I wasn't speeding, I know, but you've got to talk to the coach. And sure enough, Jim Bond had to talk to the Texas Longhorn coach and said, no, I really am. I'm going to Pasadena. Why God called me to preach. I don't know what God is calling you to do. But sometimes that means surrendering one thing for something better for God. I don't know how many people he would reach playing basketball. I know this. He reached a lot of people proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. The king is calling on the people to surrender verse the next verse 9 then he says this who knows that's a rhetorical question even the king who knows god knows of course god knows aren't you glad aren't you comforted by the fact that god knows what's going on in your life aren't you comforted by the fact that god knows lisa what's going on in your life god who knows god knows of course god knows the one who knows us best the one who loves us most god knows what's going on in our lives we can trust him we can go to him we can cry out to him why god knows and then the king said this god may relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish that king knew we serve a relentless, compassionate, full of mercy God. You know, on Sunday mornings on the, those tables when you walk in, there's the, you know, the offering box and there's different cards. Well, one of the cards is a prayer card and you can fill out a prayer request and drop it in the box. And Usually it's Carla on Monday. She goes around, picks up all those cards and she puts them all on a list and she sends them out to the pastor so that we can pray for whatever was, was requested during the week. And sometimes uh, some of the folks that, pray, uh, that put in cards, they put them in every single week and they're kind of our regulars. And, and so, you know, we see their name, we've seen them every week. And sometimes there's people that just uh, come, you know, and, and even once or twice and they'll put in their name and put on their prayer request. And sometimes we get a card like this one last week. It's been in my Bible. I pray for this card every day since Carla gave it to me last Monday. It's anonymous. It was after my sermon, last week's sermon. Sometimes we're at rock bottom, right? The, 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 the mountain's roots, how Jonah describes it. Well, this person says this. Pray for a new environment. Maybe this was your card. Maybe this is your card at home and, and you didn't come this week, but, but you did last week. Maybe it's from the first service. Pray for a new environment. Renewal of spirit. I need some place to stay. Just depressed every day. I literally have nobody. I'm in a dark space. I'm sinking. I'm drowning. That's why I haven't been in church. Now that card was from you. Or if you're at home and that card was from you. What I need you to hear is there's a God that loves you. 
there's a God that specializes in picking us up from that dark place and setting us in a place where we can grow and be healthy and well. There's a God that lifts us up. We can count on him. Why? Because even that king knew we serve a God that's relentless, that's full of mercy, that's full of compassion. And when you're hurting, when you're, when you're crying out for help, there's a God that loves you. Deeply, deeply loves you. Well, the people of Nineveh, they got it figured out because verse 10, when God saw that they did what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring to them the destruction that he had threatened. God is merciful. God is good. Do the math of that soul story. So there was one prophet that reluctantly, reluctantly said yes you know, he had to spend some time in the belly of a fish, but eventually he said yes, and God used him, and 120,000 people turned their lives around. What will happen when you say yes? Well, preacher, it won't be 120,000. Who knows? Maybe one of you are the next Billy Graham. Who knows? Maybe your yes to mentoring at Dillon Elementary will make a difference in a child's life and that child will grow and become a great doctor or cure cancer or do something. Who knows? Your yes. What can your yes do? Just pray and obey. Because when we obey, when we say yes to God and obey what he would have us to do, God works in great and crazy ways. I told you we were going to share just the neatest story that happened this year. It's when two ladies. My name is Kelsey Davis, and I have been attending Central Church since 2015. I've been going pretty on and off for a couple of years. Um, and I met some Christian friends at college who really just motivated me and inspired me to go to the church more. And so at the beginning of this year in January, I really started to make a commitment to come every Sunday. I'm Lori Griffin, and I have been attending Central for about five months. Back in April, I received some terrible news that a young man um, that I knew his family, I cut his hair for a long time and um, close to the family, and I received the news that he passed away unexpectedly. The day was April 8th. Um, it was a pretty hard day to start. I woke up, probably cried five times before I even got to work because it was my late grandmother's birthday. Um, and work was also just another bad day, so I came home and I just wanted to go to bed. And then that night my mom called me downstairs and she gave me the news that a really close friend of mine had passed away. I was more in just a state of shock. Um, I went to bed, I never cried. And then the next morning on Saturday I woke up and it all just hit me. I was crying, I was a mess, and I knew I had to go to church the next day. I just, I had to hold on to the Lord. So um, that Sunday on the way to church, I was like, I, I'm going to go to the altar and pray. I don't know, it was God that said it to me that you have to go to the altar and pray today. Um, and I had never, ever gone up to the altar and pray, but knowing Central, I knew it was open for me to do that. Um, so I got to church, and when it was time to go up, I kneeled down at the altar, and then I felt this hand touch me. I didn't know Kelsey then, but she walked up and she went to the altar to pray, and I was sitting there thinking, somebody's got to pray with this girl. She's just, she's falling apart. And um, I knelt down beside Kelsey and handed her a box of Kleenex, and I asked her, could I pray with her? And she said, yes. 
this? And they said, is it about anything specific or do you want it to be private? All I said is I lost a really close friend of mine. And she said, was it Alex? Um, the name of my friend who had passed away. And I was just in shock. I'm like, oh my gosh, how how is this even happening right now? And then she said, um, I knew Alex, I cut his hair. Then she asked, she said, I don't know if he knew Jesus. And well, I got to share with her that um, I knew he'd been to that church because she had brought him to this church when she was a teenager. From there, Lori just prayed for me. She asked God to comfort me during this time. She really prayed and said everything that I needed to, that I couldn't that morning to God. Um, and it's just such a crazy thing that God had led me to that altar that morning. God led Lori to the altar that morning out of all the people in the church that God could have picked who knew Alex. Um, we were led together and it was the obedience um, that me and Lori had to listen to God and to listen to His Word that really led us together that morning. If you feel God nudging you to step out, um, to reach out to somebody, don't hesitate because the enemy would have you believe that you're intruding or that's not your place. Um, I will never forget that day in my life. It truly was the worst day in my life, but in that moment of pain and brokenness, God touched me and you will know in that moment when God is speaking to you and what you need to do. Um, so I would just say, keep having your faith. You have to keep praying because even when it seems like he's not there, he is.